What's going on, family? It's your man Kmart coming back at you with another episode of the 310 Podcast. So, we're almost done with the first round, <laughs> but a lot has taken place between the last time I recorded and to t- um, today, both on the court and off the court. Uh, we're still going through this global pandemic. Um, a lot of social justice stuff that's been that's been brought to the forefront, and so yeah, we'll definitely tackle all of those, and we'll definitely we'll be talking about each playoff series and even preview in the second round. So if you want to get in contact with the show, you can hit me up at the three one zero podcast at gmail Let me know your thoughts. Let me know um, how you feel about stuff that's taking place on and off the court, such as the um, players boycotting. Um, let me know what you guys think of just the overall how this bubble is and maybe hey would you like for the NBA to consider maybe doing the bubble a little bit in the future so so with that being said hey let's get this party started hey so we're we're jumping into these NBA playoffs um round one Lakers and Portland we're starting off in the wild wild west and Big is the 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 first the one seed versus the eight seed L.A. Lakers. The odds on favor from a lot of people to win the this NBA championship. Uh, Portland had to um, had to win the playoff game in order to get in, and they were coming in on a roll. Damian Lillard was arguably uh, the best player coming into these playoffs. The man was on a on a on a on a hot streak, and. Basically, he was the basically he pretty much carried Portland into the playoffs. Him and C.J. McCallum, and so being basically the series started in um, started with the Lakers having well the quote unquote home court advantage. But um, hey, Portland came in and shocked L.A. in Game One. They got off to a big lead. Um, the, the Lakers battled back, and L.A. had basically L.A. had control of the game with like about six minutes to go. They were up six. Um, and, and with the ball, just unfortunately, they weren't able to come through. And Damian Lillard once again showed showed his marksmanship from deep. He hit like several long range threes to help uh, help the Blazers pull it out and shockingly go up one game to none. And pretty much from there, <laughs> that's pretty much all. That's pretty much where this series began and end because from that point on, the Lakers just simply dominated. Um, the rest of the series. Um, they won game two, uh, 111 to 88 and game three was actually close. Um, and actually Portland actually had control of it pretty much midway until like about midway through the third quarter where the Lakers depth and experience came into play. They just had no, um, they had no answer for LeBron or AD, um, during this game, AD had 29, LeBron had 38 and LA went up two games to one. Um, Portland, I mean, pretty much at that, like I say, at that point, I mean, we all kind of figure, all right, if Portland does not win game four, then this series is all but over. And basically, <laughs> L.A. came up and stomped them in the mouth. And you know how in the past I've always talked about, hey, you if you want to come and make a statement, you hit your opponent right in the mouth. And not literally, but figuratively, you hit them right in the mouth from the jump and you take their heart and soul, which that's something the Lakers did. I mean, they jumped up 10 nothing, 17 to 4, 28 to uh, 24 to 8, which is a sign. Hey, 24, 8, Kobe. And from that point, yeah, that point, on, I mean, it was pretty much a runaway. I mean, LeBron put on a spectacular show. I mean, he was 10 of 12. 
for 30 points. AD was consistent. I mean, got he had 18, and they got contributions from um, Danny Green, Catavius Caldwell Pope, especially in Britain. Going back to Danny Green, a lot of Laker fans were on his neck after um, game one. But yeah, Kuzma had 18, and basically, and Damian Lillard got hurt, and he banged up a knee. And basically, game five, I mean, true, you, I, I give Portland a lot of credit for it. For at least even even making at least making it a game of it, um, they kind of held the lead majority of majority of the game. And like I said, the LA LA depth and experience just kind of just overwhelmed them. And so the Lakers move on. And shout out to uh, one player that I definitely want to shout out in this series was Melo. I mean Melo Melo came to play. And honestly, I'm not gonna lie. The last few years, I was a critic of Melo. Uh, I really didn't think that his uh, that he can adjust his game to the way the NBA is played today. But like I said, hats off to him. He played his butt off. Um, I really hope that he can stay, um, kind of get a nice little couple years in Portland because it seems like that that squad, it definitely needed that his uh, his veteran leadership as well as some his poise coming off the bench. Um, yeah, I, I really hope Melo is able to stay in Portland because, yeah, I, I really think that, I mean, maybe with, with a couple more pieces, they can actually build something into a legitimate title contender. And so, like I said, the Lakers move on and we'll be moving on to the Rockets and Thunder Series. And where we're standing at today, we're tied at three. Game seven is tonight. And so all the pressures on uh, on the Rockets, um, they were favored to win this series. Um, you have James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Russ did not have made the impact that he has been at, uh, having um, throughout um, since he's came back into this series. He definitely struggled in game number six. And so now the season's on the line. It's time to it's either hey put up or shut up and like I said it's definitely it's definitely time for Houston to really step up um shout out to OKC and honestly I mean shout out to CP3 man people are definitely putting some respect back on his name as one of the best point guards in the NBA uh definitely a future hall of famer and he has led this team to where they're supposed to be honestly I felt that, hey, look, they'll be lucky to even make the playoffs. But, hey, shout out to CP3. I mean, he helped guide this team to the fifth seed in the West. And now they have, they have, a, they have a legitimate shot to move on. I mean, him, Steven Adams, Danilo Gallinari, uh, Dennis Schroeder off the bench. I mean, man, they have, they have some firepower that could definitely give – that can definitely give the Lakers some some um, some problems if if indeed they do win. Um, I do expect Houston to win. I, I expect the Beard, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook to bounce back. Um, definitely Russ. He definitely needs to bounce back because that's I knowing the competitor that he is. I know that he does not want to go have a season in the way that he did, and a lot of questions going on to him. So. Yeah, like I say, I have Houston. I have Houston winning tonight um, and matching up with the Lakers. Um, next series we're moving on to is Denver and um, in Utah. Today, where we stand, the series is tied at three. And hats off to the Nuggets. They were down three-one, facing elimination. They're facing Donovan Mitchell, who has been on fire during these playoffs, but. 
Utah, um, Denver has definitely bounced back with uh, Jamal Murray definitely taking the reins and actually making a name for himself during these playoffs. I mean, man, the last game he had 50 points. Game five, he had 42. And look at the uh, and just the way him and Donovan Mitchell have been battling out one of the be- one of the best duels in NBA playoff history for a series. I mean. And I definitely can't wait for this game seven because um, you know, hey, both both players they're definitely be they're definitely on a hot streak. And like I said, I mean, Donovan Mitchell he's had two fifty point uh, performances in these playoffs, something that only Michael Jordan and Allen Iverson have ever done. So yeah, game seven is definitely going to be a barn burner. Um, I have, you know, all the momentum swinging is swinging towards Denver, and I know I picked Denver to win this series. Um. And you know what? I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stay with Denver, just because, like I say, just because of the momentum that they're that they're on right now. And honestly, I think I think now it's time for Denver to really put a stranglehold and take this series uh, and pull this series out. So I have Denver. I have Denver winning Game Seven, and the winner there matches up with the Clippers, who obviously Dallas in six. Uh, this series has been. Kind of a very weird series. I mean, you have the incident in game one where Porzingis getting ejected, which was definitely questionable by myself and a lot of other people. Um, so, and then with that being said, um, the uh, the Mavericks did bounce back and was able to win game two and send the series, send the series uh, tied at one, which sets up game three. The Clippers pulled, uh, pulled that one out in a dominating effort. Game four was arguably probably the best game of these playoffs so far. Um, the Clippers were up twenty, were up twenty midway through um, midway through the um, the third quarter, but the Maverick with Luka Doncic, who has definitely made a name for himself during these playoffs, he stepped up, had a forty point triple double, something that has only, has only was only done, only have been done by Charles Barkley um, in '93 versus the Suns, who in a Game Seven versus Seattle. Um, put up some monster numbers and so with that yeah Dallas and and I remember I was holding my son and I'm watching I'm like all right the Clippers have the lead I'm like man if they can get a stop hey look first basically first of this series is over and what kind of irritated me though was the fact that the Clippers wouldn't they they, they wouldn't jump they wouldn't uh jump the switch and you left you left little Reggie Jackson on Luka Doncic, and he just kind of squared him up, hit a step back three from like about 30, 35 feet, bang, all net, series tied at two. And the only thing I could do, I was like, wow. That's the only thing I can say is, wow, that was a hell of a shot. So moving on to game number five. I mean, hey, that was just a total beatdown by the Clippers, my Goodness, they smoked them. They won um, 151 to 111. And honestly, I can't remember the last time you uh, you saw a 150-point effort in the playoffs. And they just totally dominated. And shout out to play, uh, to Paul George. Um, people were, people have been kind of ragging on him this series. And which, of course, I mean, hey, he, he did struggle uh, during the first maybe four games of this series. He definitely had some problems. But, shout out, like I say, shout out to him. He was able to persevere, able to come through with a big effort during game five. Um, he had 35 points. 
Um, he and, and honestly, you know, and hats off to him, but for also talking about, it, he was very honest and truthful. He said, "Look, the bubble got a hold of me, and I was kind of in a dark place." And I seen, I seen a couple clowns on uh, social media talking about, "Oh, he has um, play um, Paul George is disappearing again. Uh, Paul George uh, finally, uh, um, finally learned how to play again." And I'm like, "Dude, hey, the man said that. Hey, look, he was honest saying, hey, look, hey, the bubble kind of got me. I was in a dark place, and he was able to crawl himself out of it." And so, like I say, hats off to him. Hats off to Kawhi, who's been probably the most consistent player in these playoffs. And game six, I mean, pretty much the Clippers kind of they they kind of ran away um, from from uh, from Dallas, and they ended up moving on to the conference semifinals. And like I said, I mean, hats off to Luka Doncic. This dude has the potential of being one of the all time greats great all-around player who could do it all on both on on the offensive end um like i said this is one of those things he's definitely going to improve and get better and definitely learn from this disappointment and so with that being said um just dallas they just have to continue to build around this young man porzingis he has a very good uh second option and like i said they just have to just continue to build and kind of just bring in more weapons for him I think Dallas in about like three or four years could, years could definitely be a contender in the West, especially if, if Luka continues to ascend like the way he's doing now. So with that being said, hey, let's move on to the Eastern Conference where you have the top seed in Milwaukee Bucks taking on the Orlando Magic. And even though, hey, look, Orlando came in and won game one. I mean, from that point on, Milwaukee just kind of dominated that series with uh, with the Greek freak Giannis Antetokounmpo averaging uh, 30 points, 16 boards, 6 assists. My goodness, just putting on an overall defensive clinic um, overall and just playing just a great all-around floor game. And he got some def- definitely got some help from Chris Middleton, who kind of struggled earlier in the series, but he kind of got back he kind of got back into the groove of things and like i said me orlando i mean shout out to them i mean once again making the playoffs uh, they stay winning that that first game like they did last year against toronto but just unfortunately they just they just weren't unable to kind of put much put much much more of an effort i mean they have i mean they they definitely have a nice up-and-coming squad with uh vucevic terrence ross dj augustine and markel fultz and yeah, it's just like, man, they just did not have enough to kind of contain Giannis um, in this series. And so Mil- uh, Milwaukee moves on to round number two to face the um, the India. I'm um, sorry, the uh, Miami Heat, who took out the pace, who took out the Pacers um, in a clean four game sweep. And Jimmy Butler just that's Jimmy Butler is still one of my favorite players. Um, do plays with with an edge, plays with toughness. Takes no BS for nobody. Stands up for himself and for his teammates. Um, he was able to put the team on his back and just literally just kind of get this team onto the second round. And also, he also got some um, assistance from Gordon Dragic during this series. Um, I I kind of felt that uh, Miami would pull this series out. Just the fact of the matter, like I said, I just felt that they were a little more had a little more cohesiveness going in. Um, I mean. T.J. Warren, um, I, I did like the matchup like Jimmy Butler against T.J. Warren, especially since um, their battles that they had during the regular season was uh, was very highly intense to say the least. So 
Miami moves on to the second round to face Milwaukee, um, in which we also will also be heading off to probably one of the the oldest, one of the more older, the oldest rivalry in the NBA, the Celtics and the 76ers, which once again meet in the playoffs. And honestly, this was this was a clean sweep. Boston dominated, um, which honestly I'm not surprised, especially with the Sixers with um, not having Ben Simmons. Honestly, I mean, even with if, if Simmons played, I still don't think think they had enough to beat the Celtics because, like I said it during my last show, I think the Celtics are um, coached better. They have their Philly has more talent, but just Boston has a little bit more togetherness, and they know how to play the game. They know how to play the game right. And honestly, I mean, hey, you take Ben Simmons out of the game. I mean, he and he would have been the main one of um, the the main one to match up with Jason Tatum. And so Jason Tatum kind of went wild during this series and really Philly had no, no, no answers for him. I mean, Jason Tatum averaged 27, nine and two during this series and shot 48% for the field. And just overall, just an overall dominating series by Boston, three players averaged over 20, 20 points or more in this series. And if they continue to get, um, output like this um, during the rest of the playoffs is definitely going to be very difficult. I do know Gordon Hayward um, um, has been uh, has missed some time, and so he'll be a, he'll definitely be a key for them, especially if they're um, to get out of the East. If he can get back and get back to a similar role that he was playing during like, the regular season, I think Boston um, will stand a chance to to beat anybody in the NBA. So, and now with the 76ers, um, of course. With another failure in the playoffs, Brett Brown is fired. Um, was fired, and honestly, I mean, really, Philly, we really don't know which way they're gonna go. I mean, are they gonna? I mean, there's rumblings about a trade for Ben Simmons. Um, could they possibly trade Joel and B, or do they want to maybe give another run with it with another coach or a different voice? I just think at that time, uh, at this time, I, Brett Brown's voice has. Pretty much ran his course in Philly. He's been there for eight years, and you kind of saw what uh, what happened between him and Jimmy Butler. I mean, Jimmy Butler. I mean, he's like I said, he's no, he's a no nonsense type of player, and I think coaches like maybe an Eric Spolstra or Tom Thibodeau, they definitely kind of they he gravitates to them because that they're an authority figure. They want to work. They want to put in a hard day's work and try to get the best out of him and. Brett Brown, I mean, he's a he's a nice guy, a, a, a no um, uh, confrontational. He's not a confrontational type of coach, and honestly, I just think his his voice just kind of ran still. Um, it was stale after a certain point, and so now the 76ers they're looking for a new coach. I mean, I'm, I mean, basically, I mean, in a sense, Ben Simmons is kind of was kind of is kind of holding the team back because his lack of aggressiveness. If he can, Ben Simmons is a player that can average at least 24, 25 points in his sleep. But, I mean, he chooses not to be aggressive. I mean, he has the talent. He has all the talent in the world. Very excellent defensive player. It's just, like I said, it's just his aggressiveness and his unwillingness to shoot, which kind of packs the lane in for Joel and B because, I mean, you don't, you can't spread a team that you meet. There's, there's no lack of uh, force spreading. For the Sixers, and plus their lack of shooting this season definitely hurted them. Um, they should not have let go of, of um, JJ Redick. That was one of the worst moves that, that they that they could have done. So, 
oh, it looks like the process isn't processing anymore. Um, and like I said, me right now, it it might be time to maybe break that that crew up and just try and just try rebuilding all over again. So, and finally, the final matchup that we'll be talking about is the um, the defending NBA champion Toronto Raptors, which a lot of people have seen to have forgotten taking on the Brooklyn Nets, which was honestly was another wipeout. Um, the Raptors pretty much dominate this series from start to finish. And during game four, they put up 150 points. I mean, man, what is going on with defenses in, in the bubble? My goodness, these teams are putting up astronomical numbers. I mean, it's great for TV, but gosh, man, what happened to the defense? And honestly, yeah, this, I, I figured that this would be a sweep. I mean, I mean, BK kind of gave them a little, a little run maybe in game two, but honestly, yeah, this series was basically over. And so the Nets go home and honestly, I mean, just the fact that they made it to the playoffs without the players that they could have had, like KD, Kyrie, that's coming in, coming back, coming back next season, um, is, is definitely kudos that needs to go to Sean Marks, the, um, the Nets head coach. And, Really, BK, um, like I said, you get Kyrie, KD back, you guys will look a lot different next year. And honestly, we will not be having this conversation with you guys going home early like you guys did this year. No, I definitely expect um, the, the, the Brooklyn Nets to be in the mix for the top spot in the Eastern Conference next year. So with that being said, hey, I'm going to take a quick break and I'll be right back. Okay, family, I'm back. I'm back. And so, yeah, we'll be looking at the pretty much the two semifinal games that have already been set. And we'll start it off with um, Boston and Toronto. At this point, I mean, uh, at this point where, where we're standing at, Boston leads the series one game to none over the defending NBA champions. Um, Boston pretty much took it to Toronto in game one, dominating from, from start to finish. I mean, you once again, you get an all-around performance from Jason Tatum. I mean, honestly, in Boston overall had contributions going from everywhere. Six players were in double figures, like I said, with J- uh, with Jason Tatum, and then you had Marcus Smart contributing 121, as well as Kimball Walker and Jalen Brown to kind of round it out. And really, it's just one of those things where, hey, Boston came to play, Toronto didn't. They failed to show up. And one of my favorite players in the NBA, Fred, Fred Van Fleet, only only two of on two eleven from three, three of sixteen from the field, just eleven points. That, Toronto definitely needs him to step it up if they're going to get back into this series. And so, um, I did have Toronto as like my dark horse to actually win it all. And you know, and I'm gonna still stay. I'm gonna still stay with it. Uh, I have Toronto winning this series in seven. Um, honestly, I would not be surprised if Boston wins this thing in six, but you know what? I'm going to just go Toronto in seven. Let's see what happens with that. So with that being said, let's move on to the next series that's um, that's actually currently in progress, which is the Bucks um, and the Miami Heat, which Miami is up one game to none with a surprising win in game number one. I mean, you had Jimmy Butler once again, man, put up 40, 40 points against Giannis Antetokounmpo and 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 the crew. You had George, um, Gordon Dragic, who had twenty seven, and honestly, I was very surprised about this one. I figured 
Noah, look, this should be a, a five, maybe six game series at the least. But she, the way Miami came out during this series, uh, during game one, this this could go a little longer than what I expected. And, I mean, Miami, um, I mean, Milwaukee, yeah, they jumped out to the big lead. But, I mean, Miami came right back, got right back into the game during the second quarter and assumed um, complete control in the third quarter and just overall just was able to ride that to a game one victory. For Milwaukee, once again, I mean, Giannis, he definitely needs some help. I mean, I mean, I will say this. He did get uh, 24 points from Brooke Lopez and 18 from Chris Middleton. But George Hill, Wesley Matthews, um, Marvin Williams, it's time you guys got to step up and uh, when, when your name is called. And so I do. Um, I'm still I'm still say Milwaukee in six. But like I said, I could I could easily see, see this series going seven. And so with that being said, hey. Let's move on to the NBA awards. And so far, I mean, these postseason awards have started to kind of trickle in. And let's start it off. Coach of the year, Nick Nurse from the Toronto Raptors. I mean, you think about it. I mean, honestly, he was to be the obvious choice because I mean, you look at look at what they lost. I mean, they, they lost Kawhi, who helped them lead them to a title. And for them to come to, to come back, uh, come back after that with the second best record in the East and have some tremendous victories during the regular season, even like even victories over the Lakers um, hats off to the, um, to Nick nurse and his coaching style, his coaching staff, he was able to win coach of the year. And so another, um, another war that came out was most improved player. And that was to um, Pelicans for Brandon Ingram who came over from the Lakers in the, as part of the Anthony Davis trade. Um, this dude has all the talent in the world, and he's actually he was actually able to put it together this year. I'm very, I'm very impressed by what he did uh, for for the Pelicans this season. Um, honestly, my thing is on me. I just really just hope that he's able to kind of um, grow from this even more and kind of develop even more as a basketball player. Um, because yeah, I mean, he definitely, he definitely deserved this. I think him and Luka Doncic were the two players that I thought felt should have, could have won, won this award as both of them definitely made some improvements from last year. Um, defensive player of the year, Giannis Antetokounmpo from the Milwaukee Bucks. He won it, um, back to back years. And I'm, I'm not really mad at, I'm not really mad at, um, at this pick. Um, I know I did say Anthony Davis, um, during my last podcast, but I mean, hey, I'm not really mad at Giannis winning it. I mean, overall, I mean, his uh, his defensive ratings were was one of the top um, top notches in the league, and he definitely deserved the award. Um, like I said, I mean, I, I mean, and I know people were complaining about AD getting robbed, as well as maybe Ben Simmons or um, uh, uh, Rudy Gobert from Utah. But I mean, you know what? I can't really go wrong with Giannis winning because I mean, overall, I mean, he played. Both ends of the floor is about as dominant as, as possible. So, uh, Gian, Giannis is cool. I'm actually cool with him giving this getting this award. So, um, one of the things that came up um, during the, this past week was once again so, um, social justice issues. And on August 26, 2020, which of course happened to be my birthday. Um, NBA players, they boycotted a game. 
Uh, matter of fact, yeah. Um, in, in um, there was two, I believe, two games that night that were uh, that were boycotted. Um, the first one was the Milwaukee. Um, it was the Milwaukee um, Orlando game number five, I believe, as well as uh, game five between the Lakers and the Blazers, and game five between the Rockets and the Thunder. All uh, three games were boycotted due to the shooting from Jacob Blake, um, an African an African American man in Kenosha, Wisconsin, who was shot in the back seven times by police officers. Um, for me, as a black man, I mean, I'm I'm so doggone proud of these NBA players for actually for standing up for what they believe in, and which is social justice and equality for all. Um. You can hear from like older players and from um, retiree players. I mean, heck, I mean, in in this in this goes beyond basketball. I mean, you saw it in major league in major league baseball where games were postponed. Um, Andrew McCutcheon from the Phillies uh, was definitely the driving force in having their game uh, postponed. You also had um, NFL. Uh, ex- um, Executive, uh, executive VP of football operations, Troy Vincent. He was on, um, he was on uh, the Keyshawn Johnson show, and you could just hear him just breaking down, and just how he's so he's so proud of these NBA players for standing up. I mean, and he also talked about how it is as a black man to raise um, virtually adult children. Uh, um, children in this day and age, and how he's scared. He's scared for them. And then you also heard Robert Ory on the Lakers um, pre and post game show. And he kind of just kind of let his emotions out on how it feels to to parent uh, an African-American child in today's climate. And it's funny is that it's funny because, I mean, you see all these clowns on social social uh, social media who are just totally just kind of just calling NBA players spoiled children, spoiled and entitled children. And I, what hurt for me, what hurt me most, and it was one person who, I mean, I consider him a pretty cool person, and he's he's also African-American, and he had the nerve to say, these NBA players, they're just so spoiled and entitled, mind you, he's a, he, mind you, he's a Trump supporter, crazy, crazy, huh, and at that point, I mean, me, I'm just like, I was just so fed up because it's like, dude, it's not, it's not always about you. Us as, as us as society, society, we have to look outside of ourselves and not just looking for, and not just looking at these athletes and entertainers as our, as our entertainment. I mean, just to kind of get from one day to the next. And so me personally, I said, look, Flat out, I said, look, I said, if you have a problem with another, um, with not, um, if if you're more, if you're more upset about not having basketball games on TV more than another black man shot, then your priorities are all screwed up. And I truly believe that. I mean, all these people are crying, saying, oh, we don't have no basketball on. Um, Don't, I mean, we got all this going on, the, the COVID and everything like that. Don't take our sports. And I'm like, dude, dude. Like I said, let's look outside of ourselves, and and actually let's actually look at at someone at, and like I said, hats off to these NBA players because they 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 do not have to do this. They do not have to speak up 
for those who do not have a voice like myself and maybe other people. Um, the, the best thing a man could do is do something for someone who cannot do nothing for them, who cannot benefit them. That really shows the uh, that that that's really that really shows the type of person that you are. If you're really if you're able to do something for someone and do not expect nothing from them, or or do something for somebody that cannot benefit you in any way, I mean that that shows open heartness. I mean, man, that shows character. And honestly, a, a lot of these people just don't have it, and it definitely sucks. Um, me personally. I mean, I've said this plenty of times. I really, I really don't believe sports should be back right now. And just like I said, just due to one COVID, due to just like the, just due to the the environment that we're in right now, with a lot of social justice issues, a lot of stuff that 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 needs to be addressed. Honestly, mm-hmm. I feel sports is a reward. I really feel that sports is, is a reward, and we're not entitled to sports. And right now, just where this country is, I mean, right now, we don't deserve sports. We do not deserve these athletes um, putting uh, putting in their blood, sweat, and tears for us. Because the fact of the matter is that, I mean, hey, look, at the end of the day, you only, only thing a lot of these people only care about is what these athletes can do for them. And that's just to entertain them. It's that old shut up and dribble mentality, which irritates the hell out of me. And honestly, hey, I'm going to still continue to beat the drum is that these that these um, NBA players still continues to fight. Um, they can they continue to stand what they what they believe in because it's not just and and you you see these people you see clowns and and all these people saying that oh these privileged NBA players no they're not privileged because of me but but before they came into the NBA they were struggling some of these players came from uh, from. Uh, from private uh, conditions, some of these people didn't even have a father growing up. Some didn't even have a mother growing up. But yet you're calling them, you're calling them privileged because of something that they worked hard for. They put their blood, sweat, and tears into a game. They mastered it. They craft. They mastered their craft. So, and maybe, if, maybe if a lot of these individuals could would do the same thing, they would master their craft and actually become successful in something that they want to be successful in. Maybe they maybe they wouldn't be as bitter as they are, but hey, that's just my opinion. And hey, if you if you disagree with it, to hell with you. And lastly, um, definitely have some sad news to report. Um, three um three deaths of um in the sports world as well as the entertainment world. Um, first for me, hey, let's just start it off. Unfortunately, um, my thoughts and prayers go out to the families for Cliff Robinson. Um. Chadwick Bosman and Coach John Thompson. Um, Cliff Robinson, honestly, man, he was one of my favorite NBA players. Um, the dude could do it all. Um, he played 17 seasons in the in in the league for Golden State, New Jersey, Detroit, Phoenix, but he made his name with the Portland Trailblazers in those early 90s, those early 90s teams uh, where he played his first eight season. He was an all-around player who could do it all. His came to flame. His came to fame was his uh, was his headbands that he, he that he would wear. Um, he stated that one time that he said that I guess a cousin of his kind of gave him a bad haircut, and in order to cover it up, he just started wearing the headbands, and from there he kind of just kind of took off from there. 
And so, but no, I mean, the man could do it all. He was a defensive player. He can block shots, rebound, pass the ball, um, shoot the ball. Um, just like I said, just all, all, an overall talent that came out of uh, the University of, uh, of UConn. And he was a consistent sixth man off the bench. He won the award in 1993, made an all-star, uh, an all-star team in 94, and reached two NBA finals uh, with Portland. Um, his rookie season in 1990, and as well as 92, where unfortunately he was in, he is now famously in the picture of the famous Jordan shrug when Jordan hit six threes in game number game number one of that series. You'll see like kind of clear. Cliff Robinson kind of with a disdain look after that six while Jordan is doing his shrug. And so, but now rest in peace, Cliff Robinson, one of my favorite players. Um, the next one was Chadwick Bosman. Oh, this one hurt because honestly, none of us knew that he was sick. I mean, the man is only 43 years old and come to find out he battled, um, he battled uh, the last four years with, um, with with calling cancer. And I mean, and it's crazy that he was able to, uh, to make seven different, seven movies while he was sick. I mean, he put out Marshall, Black Panther, Avengers of Infinity War in Endgame, 21 Bridges, The Five Bloods, My uh, My Rainey's Black Bottom, which, which will be coming out soon. And, just think about it. Just thinking like, look, I mean, this man did this with with cancer. I mean, Lord only knows what he was going through um, when when he wasn't shooting. I mean, that's just that's just a testament to his craft, to his work ethic and to his heart, because, I mean, I know a lot of people wouldn't be able to kind of do what, what he did, especially kind of going through that adverse situation. So rest in peace to Chadwick Bosman. And I definitely, that one hurt. That one really, really hurt because, man, because, man, he, he was he was one of the good ones. And he was on his way to having a star-studded career in movies. And Lord only knows what he was going to do um, outside, outside of uh, films. I mean, the possibilities were endless with this guy. Very articulate, a handsome man. And, I mean, he was a family man as well. And so, I mean, yeah, this world is definitely this world is definitely going to miss him. And lastly, um, the passing of um, college NBA uh, college NCAA coach um, John Thompson. He passed away. Um, I believe he was seventy-eight. I, I can't I can't really remember how old he was, but um, he's a he's a two-time NBA champ with the Boston Celtics. Um, he coached at Georgetown from 1972 to 1999. He's a three-time um, Big East Coach of the Year. He won the NCAA championship um, in 1984 over with Patrick Ewing over um, Kim Olajuwon and Five Slamma Gemma in 1984. Um, overall, I mean, he had he amassed um, 100, 100, I'm sorry, 596 coaching victories to 239 losses. And I mean, he's produced such stars such as Patrick Ewing, Reggie Williams, Dikembe Mutombo, Alonzo Mourning, and last but not least, Allen Iverson. I mean, that's just to name a few of the NBA players that he's helped 
to bring from college to the pros. Um, his legacy will definitely live on forever, and his, le- his legacy will definitely be felt in college athletics on and off the court, such as breaking down racial doors and introduc- introducing college hoops uh, to black inner city black inner city culture um overall i mean the man's an icon who not only helped um elevate the big east conference in the 80s and put georgetown in on the map but he he, incredibly he graduated 97 percent of his students that's incredible in itself and i mean especially like with um this win the win now mentality i mean Coach Thompson was not having any of that. I mean, he was a no-nonsense, no-BS type coach. Um, man, he, like I say, he's a coaching icon. Um, the Hoyas, like his Hoyas, I mean, they were, they were seen during, uh, they were looked at during the 80s and 90s as, college, as the bad boys of college basketball just for their rough, their rough play. Um, like I say, I mean, they take no crap from their opponents as well as neither did their coach. And with that, with that aggressive, um, that aggressive mindset and um, and playing style, I mean, they created the quote unquote Hoya paranoia, which honestly, you know, that came at the the right time, especially as hip hop was coming into play with rap groups such as Run DMC, LL Cool J, Public Enemy, Eric B and Rakim. Big Daddy Kane and Slick Rick, just to name a few. I mean, then on top of that, you have the Georgetown starter jacket. My God. And, and you got you got um, the Nike uh, Air Force Ones high tops. My goodness, what a time. What a time. So, I mean, yeah, shout out to Coach John Thompson. Uh, like I said, definitely a legend in the game. Um, he will definitely be missed, but his legacy will definitely live on forever. And so... Uh, with that being said, this kind of brings us to a close of another episode of the 310 Podcast. I'm your man, Kmart. Hey, look, if you want to get in contact with the show, hear me at the at the 310 podcast at gmail.com. Um, if you want to leave a voice message, hey, just shoot one of those voice memos to the email address. I'll definitely put you on the show. And hey, just let me know what you think about these playoffs and everything that's going on. And so uh, with that being said, I will catch up with you later. Peace.